1: Right now, I want to get a sense of what's going on in markets. Uh, We are dealing, obviously, with the fallout from a Brazilian uh, political crisis. And uh, to give us more color on what exactly happened there, Vivian Rodriguez is joining us. She's a Latin American economy and government editor for Bloomberg. Also here with us is Dave Wilson, uh, Bloomberg Stocks editor, columnist and blogger at MLiveGo on the Bloomberg. Vivian, I'd like to start with you. Uh, Can you just give us a sense of what actually happened? We do know that on Wednesday, a Major uh, newspaper in Brazil uh, reported that the current president Michelle Temer uh, was embroiled in, uh, or sort of uh, endorsing, some kind of bribery scheme. Can you explain and
0: elaborate? Sure, it is. Quite a shocking development that that really you know sent the country back into uh, that crisis uh, that we've seen last year. Right, basically what we know is that there is a tape. I mean, a couple of a very high-profile executives. I mean, recorded a conversation with Tamer in March, in which basically Tamer, you know. Again, this is all allegedly the newspapers, the transcripts are not out. But in this recording, Tamar just basically gave the okay or endorsed some briberies in a big cover up scheme involving the former uh, leader of the of the House, which was a mastermind behind the impeachment of his predecessor, Dilma Rousseff. So it's pretty bad.
1: Yeah, this is pretty bad. And the response in markets has been pretty fierce. Dave, can you give us a sense of just, you know, what we are seeing?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look. Down to Brazil, you see the Bovespa index down 10.5% in early trading. A circuit breaker kicked in in the local market that uh, basically put off uh, buying and selling for half an hour. There's possibility of other uh, circuit breakers if you get a, a steeper decline. And it's showing up here in the U.S. in terms of what's going on. Uh, with, for example, the iShares MSCI Brazil exchange traded fund, which is down 16% at the moment. And then you look through the uh, American depository receipts of Brazilian companies to trade here, and they're taking quite the hit as well. Uh, one example, the government-controlled uh, energy company Petrobras, which is down about 14.5% at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, and remember that Petrobras was also involved uh, with some allegations of a scandal and taking uh, and, and, and having some kind of corruption uh, probe that is ongoing going to this day. Vivian, can you give us a sense of what the fallout could be from the allegations uh, from uh, Michelle Tamer and how this would bleed
0: out into markets in a practical sense? Okay, so, I mean, bottom line, I mean, the government, we don't know if we're going to have a government uh, in this shape and form uh, a week from now. So in markets are really responding. I mean to that reality, right? Uh, if Tamer is found really, if these tapes, be, you know, are proven to be legitimate, and if the Supreme Court opens an investigation, I mean, pressure will mount for him to potentially. I mean, at the bottom line of all this, he might even have to resign. We are too far. I mean, there's there's a lot of things can still happen there, but it is a possibility. What is what is tragic here? You mentioned Petrobras, right? Yes, it was involved uh, in all that corruption scandal. but they, they started cleaning up the company. It posted a very good quarter uh, recently. But now you just sent them all back down again. And it's worth reminding that some of these Brazilian companies, are some of, especially in agribusiness uh, and in emerging markets, are some of the largest companies in the world. So, yes, it has the potential for a ripple effect in emerging market-dedicated well, funds. Yes,
1: and Vivian, to that point, I was looking at the biggest emerging markets bond ETF today. It's an $11.3 billion iShares Morgan US dollar emerging markets bond ETF. And it is down the most since December. And, you know, I was just looking at the composition, and uh, Brazilian assets are the fifth, account for the fifth most uh, of, of any nation in this particular ETF. So uh, you could potentially see ripple effect. Are you seeing that, Dave, elsewhere?
2: Well, I mean, to an extent, but when you turn to the stock market, we actually got a reminder on the Markets Live blog uh, earlier from Cameron Christ, who's a macro strategist. Just when you go through the MSCI Emerging Markets Index, you see that nine of the 10 biggest companies are based in Asia. We're talking about the likes of, you know, Alibaba Group, uh, for example, and they had earnings out that weren't so great. Uh, but then there are a whole lot of others, you know, Samsung Electronics and so on. So to that extent, I mean, sure, there was going to be a, a, a knock-on effect, and it may not be quite what you might expect, given that, you know, while Brazilian companies are certainly substantial in market value, it's not like like they dominate the index in the same sense that, you know, you think about, uh, you know, Apple or Facebook here in the U.S.
1: Uh, thank you so much for, for that perspective. I'm sure we'll be talking again about this. This isn't going away anytime soon. Vivian Rodriguez, Latin American economy and government editor for Bloomberg, as well as Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Stocks editor, columnist and blogger at Live. Go on the Bloomberg. Thank you so much. We want to take a moment to let you know about something new from Bloomberg. Starting right now, you can use our iOS app or our new Google Chrome extension to scan any news story on any website, instantly revealing relevant news and market data from Bloomberg and other sources related to the companies and people you're reading about. So no matter where you're reading the news, you can bring the power of Bloomberg's news and data with you. It's pretty amazing. Download our iOS app or search for the Bloomberg extension on the Chrome store to try it out. Learn more at Bloomberg.com Lens. Max Abelson has been listening uh, to the testimony. Max Abelson is a finance reporter for Bloomberg News and Business Week, and he joins me here in our Bloomberg 1130 studios. Quite a wide ranging uh, testimony from everything from tax reform uh, to banking regulations. What stood out most to you?
3: You know, as a reporter, we're trained not to ever express opinions, but I think it's probably fair to share this opinion that. You know, hearings in the Senate can sometimes be boring, but we just saw something that was definitely not boring. It was Stephen Mnuchin versus Elizabeth Warren, one-on-one, and they you can tell they just uh, really see the world differently, and, and they really went at it. And they went at it on a subject that is absolutely central to the shape of, of the American banking system, which is Glass-Steagall.
1: Right. They basically were arguing, she was saying, how can you say that you support uh, a modern Glass-Steagall while not supporting a breakup of the major banks? Yeah.
3: I mean, I I have seen a bunch of uh, of Senate hearings in, in my time, and I think I've never heard a, a, a more memorable quote than what Stephen Mnuchin told Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, which is, we've been very consistent. We support 21st century Glass-Steagall, but not Glass-Steagall. And that that is going to be a really hard hard needle for these for, for this administration to thread because what they want to say is that they are populists who support reining in uh, dangerous banking but on the other hand the people who make up the administration like Steven Mnuchin himself former partner from Goldman Sachs are Wall Street alumni who don't want to hurt the big banks they want to they want to cut back back rules not add to them and obviously when Elizabeth Warren says the phrase 21st century Glass-Steagall, she's talking about something very different.
1: Well, you know, I thought that it was interesting in a lot of the questions, there seemed to be a divide uh, and sort of a quest to find out whether Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has talked with anyone other than banking elite, right? I mean, because that was sort of uh, one question that, that someone just asked you, who are you surrounding yourself by? When you talk to people on Wall Street Do they feel like they have a pretty direct line to Treasury Secretary Mnuchin?
3: Lisa, you better believe it. And if it's not Steven Mnuchin himself, it's Craig Phillips, who comes from, I believe it is Blackstone. It's um, Justin Muzinich, who comes from, I think it's Morgan Stanley. Wall Street is really, really excited that instead of sort of fighting with their regulators and fighting with the officials in Treasury and the Federal Reserve and the OCC and the FDIC and the SEC, that the people that Donald Trump is putting in those positions and that Steven Mnuchin is putting in those positions come from Wall Street. And the, the crazy irony here is that the phrase 21st century Glass-Steagall – comes from Elizabeth Warren she used that phrase in her in her bill with McCain which and of course what does she want to do she wants to break up the big banks and that exact phrase was adopted by the Trump administration in, in, in and and they mean something entirely different but but I just have to add in that that a, a, like a curveball on top of that curveball is that breaking up the banks, is something that Trump himself has talked about. It was part of the Republican platform in 2016. And I think that they brought that up, trying to
1: say, how can we correlate these two? Max Abelson, thank you so much for the instant reaction to what we've been hearing uh, with the testimony of Steven Mnuchin, uh, head of the Treasury Department, in front of the Senate Banking Committee.